Well, I don't know how much of a dilemma for you it is in the morning when you wake up and you get showered and then you've got that decision to make of what do I wear. <laughs> on a Sunday, you know, I often, I often sort of wonder, you know, what, what I should wear on a Sunday because, um, you know, we don't really wear suits and stuff these days because, you know, we don't want to give the appearance that it's all official. We want to be approachable and we don't want to appear any different to anyone else, but you don't want to be too scruffy. And, uh, you know, so trying to get that balance right of smart, casual, and trying to, you know, think, well, I wore that shirt last week. It will look like it's two weeks on the row on camera. And you try to work out what you should wear. And, of course, we understand that what we wear communicates something about us. And we're starting a new theme today that's called Dressed for Success. A number of years ago, I was working at our Bible college, and I used to run a class called Communication Class. And we would have about 30 students in this class, and they would take it in turns to write a sermon and then present it to the class. And at the end of the class, everybody got to give their thoughts and their review on how well the person had presented. It's a little bit like what you do of a Sunday lunch for the person that preaches here. Except it's not all together. I'm only joking. I'm sure, I'm sure you're very gracious. But at the end of one of these sessions, there was um, the person speaking had done a really good job. They, they'd communicated clearly and well. But someone put their hand up and said, I, I couldn't listen to anything you were saying. Really? Wow, that's a bit of a strong statement. He said, I couldn't hear anything you were saying. But I thought they were, they were loud, they were clear. What are you saying? And they said, you were wearing a Liverpool football club top, and I'm a Man United supporter, and I just couldn't hear you. I just couldn't. There was something you were communicating that was bigger than the message. And of course, we understand that things that we wear can communicate messages. Just a couple of Saturdays ago, I had the privileged opportunity of going to watch Exeter Chiefs play in the semi-finals. Sad result yesterday for those who follow the rugby. But the week before, they won a great game at Sandy Park, and I had the privilege of being there. And I had the privilege of taking a friend with me, except my friend wasn't an Exeter City supporter. Exeter, uh, sorry, an Exeter Chiefs supporter. Exeter were playing a team called Sale from up north, and my friend was a Sale supporter. So I thought uh, it'd be really nice to sit together. We haven't seen each other for a while. And so our seats are right next to each other in the middle of the Exeter Chief stand. And I thought, you know, please just be subtle about the fact that you're a sales supporter. But when he arrived at my front door before we drove to the stadium, he had a sale jacket on and a sale scarf. And he was committed to communicating that he was a sales supporter. So I thought, well, maybe no one will notice what he's wearing. But we sit in the stands, and as soon as we get there, he stands up and he shouts, Sale! <laughs> well, I had an Exeter Chiefs flag that I began to wave quickly in case people thought that I was a Sale supporter as well. <laughs> Everybody around us was a Chiefs supporter, but there he was proudly wearing his jacket and his scarf, waving his flag and shouting his team's name. And there were thousands around us looking at him going, what are you doing? In fact, the person in front of me said, please, mate, will you tell your mate to shut up? I said, let him shout as loud as he wants. They're going to lose today, and it's the last chance he's got to shout. 
Now, sometimes what we wear communicates something about us. Like if I wanted to um, be a little bit more formal today, you need to just pass me my jacket with you. I might, I might just go to my wardrobe and um, thank you. And I might just put on something that feels a little bit more formal and just presents myself as, you know, this is the jacket I wore for my daughter's wedding and, you know, I'm being a bit more formal about this. And then I might think, oh, I'm, 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 a, little bit, I'm a little bit cold. So I need to pass my coat, will you, because I want to, you know, because I'm cold and I need to put something on that just helps prepare me um, to deal with the, with the cold temperatures. And um, so, you know, and, and already I'm beginning to communicate something to you with what I'm wearing. And I think, actually, I'm really cold. You need to pass me the scarf, will you, because I know it's the middle of British summer, but you never know when you need a scarf or not, eh? And, you know, if, if I stood up this morning and I came straight onto the stage and I wore this, you think, why is Mark wearing that? What has he chosen to wear all of that stuff for in the middle of June? <laughs> yes, Lydia is sat there with her coat and scarf on right now. Well, I'm sorry, Lydia, you're on your own, because I, 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 I'm actually a bit warm if I wear all this stuff. So I'm going to take it off now I've made the point. But the reality is that all of us, the things that we wear communicate something. And when you and I come to Christ, we are given a new wardrobe. We are given a wardrobe of things that we never had access to, that the Bible tells us we should clothe ourselves with. And there may be some familiarity to some of the things you've worn, but there is a whole new kit at our wardrobe that God wants you to go to and to select what you wear. And some of the things that are in that wardrobe are very much countercultural. You're standing in the middle of a stadium of people who have a different wardrobe to you. And you're standing up for a message that no one else is standing up for. And you're cheering for a God that others may not believe in. But there is a choice of what we wear and clothe ourselves with from that wardrobe. Let's look at a verse together. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15, says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Notice what it said there, clothe yourselves. This is not the Spirit saying, I'm going to come and clothe you with this. This is an invitation for you and I to go to the wardrobe and choose what we are wearing. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. 
clothe yourselves. In an article on Psychologist World, they said this, clothes, they affect the way that we see ourselves. They help us to be seen in the light that we wish to be seen. And they also exude something of our personalities and our social status. Clothes communicate something to those around us. There was a study that was printed online produced by Northwestern University in the States, and it examined a concept called enclosed cognition. Researchers define it in their report as the systematic influence that clothes have on the wearer's psychological processes, meaning what your clothes can say, they can say something to you, not just about you. So wearing that sale rugby top doesn't just communicate to those around you that you are a sale supporter. It also affirms your sense of identity, that that's who you are. Our clothes, psychologists um, have determined through studies, actually communicate to the world around us and to the heart within us. They have the ability to both project and to persuade. In fact, in one of their studies, they gave a group of people white coats, white lab coats. And they told some of the participants that these white coats were doctor's coats. And they told others that these same white coats were painter's overalls. And they noticed as they asked all the participants to perform the same task, that those who were wearing the coat who had been told it was a doctor's coat were more careful and attentive than those carrying out the same tasks who had been told that they were painting coats. What they understood they were wearing affected the things that they did. When your friend dragged you out of the home after you had an awful interview for the job that you didn't get, and they said, come on, get dressed up, we're going out. It was one of the kindest things they could say because they were encouraging you to not just wear something nice, but to communicate something of value, something of life, something of joy, something that would change not just what you would do, but how you would feel about yourself. Actors often say that when they place on their outfit for the part that they're playing, that it helps them take on a new character. It helps facilitate the expression of the character that they are playing. Clothes are more than just functional. They communicate and they project to the world around us, and they persuade the, the sense of who we are. What is your relationship like with your physical wardrobe? And I want to look at that relationship that there might be with your wardrobe. And I also want to look if there's any spiritual significance that you can draw from that. Let me give you some examples. If 
Your wardrobe has every single item of clothing that you've ever owned, and you never get rid of it. You never do a run to the charity shop. You never give away. You never sell online. You never donate it anywhere. It's just always there. In fact, you have to keep buying bigger homes to fit bigger wardrobes to contain the bigger amount of clothes. And, you know, sometimes people are hoarders over their clothes, aren't they? They get attached to things. You know, I remember... Um, there, there have been some times over my life, and I'm not particularly a hoarder, but there are times when Nita goes into my wardrobe and says, Mark, you need to get rid of some of these shirts. You need to get rid of some of these clothes. Mark, how many pairs of shoes do you have? And, but I remember buying those. I remember, I remember something that I did once wearing that shirt. And you know, not that I'm particularly feeling like I'm sentimental, but I tell you the problem I have is that, you know, as you get older in life, you keep changing sizes, don't you? You know, and so you've got to have a wardrobe that's a, that's a pragmatic wardrobe that, you know, it's got loose stuff that you can fit into. You, you, you have an aspirational wardrobe. You know, there are some shirts that I've bought that I've seen on absolute sale and thought, wow, that's amazing. It's not my size yet. But one day it will be. And it's never too big, it's always too small. But it's there in the wardrobe waiting for me to catch up prophetically with that image of that shirt. And then you've got those items of clothing that maybe were at the time in your life when, you know, you were slightly of more area than you maybe are now. And, and, but, you know, you're, you're loath to get rid of them because you think, well, I might not be able to keep up this healthy way of living and I might need them again one day. So your wardrobe, it never changes. It's just got this full spectrum of stuff that's contained within it. And, it's, and, and you just become attached to it. It becomes something that you cling on to. Sentimental value means you don't let it go. And your wardrobe is... It's like an expression of, it's like, it's like a Polaroid of your life. It just tells you about so many stages of life. One day it will come back into fashion, and it probably will. Do you know, I find the same in the spirit, that there are people who hold on to items of clothing that they should have got rid of years ago. There are things that become familiar. You know, I, I sometimes meet people, and they share their testimonies about their past, about their life before Christ, and they seem to get more excited about their life before Christ than they are since Christ. They seem to get animated, you know, they talk about the things they did, and they're trying to look remorseful, they're trying to look like, you know, it, that it was a bad thing, but they seem to be so excited about what their life was like, and then they say, and then I came to Christ, and it all changed. <laughs> well, if your face is communicating how it changed, I don't want my life to change like that. And sometimes I see people, they, they, they choose to clothe themselves in things of the past. And there are stuff we need to get out of the wardrobe. There's stuff we need to take out from our identity. There are things that they're about the old self and the old has gone, church. You need to get rid of the grave clothes from your past. You need to come alive in the newness of what Christ has given you in a new wardrobe. Don't mix and match the old and the new. And then some people, they're quite um, 
they're quite careful in their, in their wardrobe sense to wear neutral things. You know, things that won't particularly draw attention to them, things that won't stand out in a crowd. In fact, if no one mentions that they like their clothes, they feel that it's been successful because they don't want to be noticed. They just want to blend in. They just want to mix into the crowd. And I wonder whether there's something about identity in that, that we're afraid to stand out, we're afraid to be noticed. And then I notice that in the spirit. There are things that Christ gives us that cause us to stand out. They cause us to be different. But we put an overcoat on it, and we blend in, and we have a lack of adventure in our spirits about the things Christ is inviting us to wear. You know, I notice some people, they, you know, it might be some of that wardrobe of that stuff that's a bit baggy, you know, it, it hides stuff. It just, you wear it a bit loose and it, and it just hides parts of your life that you are ashamed of, that you wish were different. And in the spirit, I find that there are people who, they just, they mask themselves with all sorts of things and And yet there's an authenticity in our walk with God that God calls us to be real and he calls us to be us. And he loves us just as we are. So many more analogies I could think of. You know, some people, years ago in Elim, pastors used to be taught that they should never own a pair of slippers. Because if somebody came to your front door from your your congregation and you were seen wearing a pair of slippers, it would be considered as inappropriate. Basically, you were on duty all the time. I'm sure some pastors had a tie for breakfast, a tie for dinner, and a tie for bed. And there's a sense that we're always on duty. But, you know, the problem is that so many of us can get our identity out of what we do and we choose our clothing. Some people just, they leave the suit on all evening while they're watching TV, while they're eating their food. They leave their suit on. They leave their work clothes on. Because they, if they take them off, they've lost any sense of value or identity. They get their identity from their work. And we know that in Christ, we don't get our identity for what we do. We get our identity because of who we are. The Bible is full of examples of clothing, and this week is a bit of an introduction to what we're going to be unpacking in weeks ahead. But the Bible is full of examples of clothing projecting and persuading. But also, it goes a step further than that. It also is full of examples of not just projecting, not just persuading, but also transforming. I read right at the very beginning of the scriptures in Genesis of Adam and Eve, when they took of that fruit that God told them not to, and sin entered their lives, and shame came into the world, that they hid. And they hid, and they hid behind some fig leaves. And, you know, it says, and in fact, it's the first account of of an animal being killed in the Bible, because it says that God clothed them with an animal skin. Right from that moment, God has been prophetically revealing that he covers our shame. That the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. He was slain so that you and I now can wear robes of righteousness and we can stand faultless and guiltless before the King of glory, not hidden, 
but revealed as sons and daughters of the Most High God. God clothed their shame, and he clothes our shame today. Go on a little bit, we see the story of Joseph, and we see how Joseph's dad favored Joseph, and as a result of his favor, he made him this technicolor dream coat and placed it over Joseph, and Joseph wore it, and every time he was seen wearing it, it became an expression of the favor of God. I want you to know, you have the favor of God over your life. God loves you. You're not, you're not down in his pecking order. He's not against you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you, and you are his daughter, and you are his son, and his favor covers your life. He doesn't just eradicate your shame and deal with the shame of your life. He places favor around us. I see Aaron's priestly robes and the intricacies of the design of the robes. And those robes, they represented authority and they represented an ability to approach the throne of grace. I see that there were times when the Israelites were stricken with grief and with repentance and shame and there were times they tore their robes to communicate their repentance to communicate their mourning there were times they wore sackcloth and ashes i read of daniel who was clothed by the king in royal garments again as a sign of his authority i read of david who refused to take saul's armor and to put something on that wasn't assigned to be his and I love that David decided that he wanted to be authentic to who he was in God, not to wear someone else's armor because of pressure. We read that in the, one of the expressions of God's care and provision for the Israelites in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness is that their clothing never wore out for 40 years. Wow, we'd go to that shop, wouldn't we? 40 years. Imagine the conversations, does this dress suit me? It suited you 20 years ago, it still suits you today. God cares and he provides and he covers and he surrounds us and he provides for us. Elijah's mantle, his cloak, he passed on to Elisha as part of that authority being passed on. Isaiah declared that God has clothed me with garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness. Jesus used an example of clothing to talk about injustice. He said, if you've got two items of clothing and someone hasn't got one, then give them one of your items of clothing. Because that's the heart of God that he wants to give and provide and he wants his people to be like him. So let's go back to this verse, Colossians 3. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercies. Let's stop there this week. Clothe yourselves. This is a Greek word of endu. And it means, pretty much as we translated there, of I put on, I put on, I clothe, I get dressed. I make a decision to place this upon me. But it also goes a bit further in its understanding and its meaning. It means to sink into a garment. Almost where, it, where the choice of putting it on means that it almost becomes like an expression, an extension of us. That we sink into it. That it becomes almost part of us. 
inculcated into who we are. I put on, I clothe, I sink in, I'm absorbed, I'm connected into this projection, this persuasion, and this transformation of how God provides. I meet so many people who are desiring to be followers of Jesus, and they have this expectation that transformation means that if someone will pray for them or if they will attain church enough, that somehow things will just change, that they will just be different, that they will suddenly think completely different how they thought before. And there are times when the Spirit of God does intervene and step into our lives and bring about that level of transformation. But most of the time, I find that my discipleship is a series of me making decisions to clothe myself with the things of God. It's a decision. It's a step-by-step decision. And one of the things I love about this analogy of clothing is that we spend all of our days wearing something. We spend all of our time being clothed with something. And being a disciple of Jesus means that it's us clothing ourselves with the things that Christ has provided in this new wardrobe. And it's a daily choice. And at any moment, I can change gear. I could decide I want to be smart now and put the jacket on. I could decide I want to be casual now and put a t-shirt on. I can make those decisions. And following after Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, is a regular series of decisions about clothing ourselves with the things of God. I put on. Let's look at this word, tender-hearted mercy, these two words. And we're going to just, this is going to be our introduction this week. Clothe yourself, put on, inculcate yourself, sink into tender-hearted mercy. When it uses the word heart, it has the impression of it being like like a metaphor of our intestines, our guts, Something at the very epicenter of our being. You know, that gut instinct you have, that's something at the very middle of you, that desire, that grit, that determination, that gut. In the physical world, I understand that those in the medical fields will say that often we should listen to our gut because our gut reveals, can reveal If there's problems with our gut, with our digestive system, it can reveal that there may be something that needs our attention. You should listen to if you're feeling nauseous or if you're feeling bloated or if you're vomiting or if you've got an insatiable hunger or your stomach aches or there's cramps or diarrhea or anything else I shouldn't be mentioning on a Sunday morning. (laughs) That'll teach you for eating your breakfast at home in the middle of a sermon, won't it? If you experience these things on a sustained basis, medics say it's worth getting it checked out. But we have a spiritual gut, our heart. And what is going on in our gut, in our heart, in our spirit? What's taking place? And it's worth noting these things. 
It's worth observing. It's worth being sensitive. It's worth journaling. It's worth reflecting. Because if you notice in your gut that there is a striving, if there is a striving maybe for significance, it's worth noting that. Because it's a telltale sign that something needs the help of the Lord. If you find in your gut there's an instinct for cynicism, there's something in that and you need to listen to it and God doesn't reject you, he's not against you, he wants to clothe you with his beautiful clothing that he's provided for you. His favor is all over you, but it is symptomatic that there might be something that needs his attention. If your gut is suspicious of everybody, it's always reading into things that people are against you, then it's worth noting that because there's something that God wants to do. If there is a sense of entitlement in you, and you always feel like, I deserve this, I should have this, and we have to be so careful because the fashion of our day is that people clothe themselves with entitlement but without responsibility. And we need to listen to our gut and notice these things. If there's identity crisis, cynicism, suspicion, entitlement, these are old wardrobe items. And God has given you a new wardrobe. But you say, I can't help those things. I just feel cynical. I can't help my desire to be significant. I can't help those feelings of suspicion of other people. How do I deal with that? Well, as we read in Colossians, choose the clothes you wear. There are times when I've, and I'm not a massive fan of fancy dress parties, but there are times I've gone along to them and um, you know, quickly found some sort of outfit that makes it work and just doesn't make me um, stand out too much as a party pooper. Um, but I, I feel desperately uncomfortable because this is not what I wear. This is not... This is not what feels like it's me. It's not my personality. And you know, when you wear something that you're unfamiliar with, it does feel strange, doesn't it? It does feel peculiar. If we took you out now, some of you who are slightly more seasoned in life, and we asked our young people to take you out to Top Man this afternoon and to work out a brand new outfit for you, and you turned up next week in church, 80 years of age, in your drainpipe jeans and your baseball boots. And they persuaded you to have some tattoos on your arm as well. And you, like you, you're going to feel so uncomfortable with that. And the reality of choosing from this new wardrobe that Christ has given us, it can feel really uncomfortable. It can feel unauthentic. But I want you to know that's because of the familiarity that you've had with your old wardrobe, not because it doesn't suit you. Not because God has not made a way for this. But God does give us a new heart. Ezekiel 36 says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. A tender heart. Deuteronomy 30 says, the Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants, so that you will love him with all of your heart and soul, and so you may live. Now, we read those verses and we say, God, 
You promised you'd give me a new heart. So I'm going to keep being suspicious. I'm going to keep being cynical. I'm going to keep striving in my life until you change it. But I found in my life that feelings are not what precedes practice, but it's practice that precedes feelings. I found in my life that there are times I've got to put on clothes that may feel unfamiliar and go into an environment that suddenly it begins to help me feel like, ah, this is becoming more comfortable. Tender-hearted. Mercy. You know, a lot of mercy around in the world today I think is part of a a PR image campaign. And we've got to be careful that this is not true of the church. That we're only feeding people because it will be a, a foot in the door to help them receive the gospel. That's not mercy. It's manipulation. God, I don't believe God looks on the world and thinks, if only I will care for their needs, then maybe they will hear the gospel. Now, he wants them to hear the gospel. Of course, it's part of their lives. But his heart breaks. His heart desperately breaks for the needs of this world. He grieves. He mourns. He has compassion. Jesus wept over Jerusalem at their lack of understanding of the goodness of the one who had come to bring them good news. The mercy of God and in a world that organizations and companies often invest in PR campaigns to present themselves to society as caring and loving, and, and thank God for all the good that comes out of those programs. But mercy goes to the heart, not just the actions. But there are times when I find I have to choose to clothe myself with tender-hearted mercy. Because my feelings need to catch up with my practice. And I have to choose to go to God's wardrobe. God, I believe, has got deep feelings about someone's difficulty or misfortune. And I believe he's looking for his people on this earth to be just like him. But... It isn't just enough for us to hang around and pray, God, change our hearts, make us merciful. God is saying, behold, I place before you a wardrobe. And in that wardrobe, there is tender-hearted mercy. And I invite you to put it on. And it may feel uncomfortable, but it's a choice. And it may feel unfamiliar, but it's a choice. And to be a disciple of Jesus, it's a series of availing ourselves to the things that God has provided. In closing, to be dressed for success. As my friend stood in that stadium and he shouted the name of his team and he wore the clothes of his team, that was totally different to those who sat around us. God calls his people 
to clothe ourselves with the clothing of the kingdom of God. And no matter how different it looks, no matter how much it stands out, no matter how unfamiliar it is, that we stand loud and we stand proud that we are his people. When we place the clothing of the kingdom on our lives, we project his glory. That's what others see. Sadly, when they look at a church that's wearing its old clothes, see, people are not impressed by our lights or our cameras or our music. That's not what people are looking for in this world. They're looking for hope. They're looking for a promise of a new today and a new tomorrow. They're looking for resurrection life. They're looking for a sure foundation. And if all we present is gloss and aesthetics, that's not what God is asking his church to present. He's asking us to be clothed with heaven's glory, to project his glory to this world. Put on, get dressed, project his glory. But also, as you wear that, just like the actors are often persuaded of their character by their dress, let what you wear, let your heavenly mantles, let your tender-hearted mercy from the wardrobe of God sink in and let it become familiar to you. Be transformed as you wear your new wardrobe. Let's pray together. Clothe yourselves. God, you have accomplished everything that we need to be adopted as your sons and daughters, to come with boldness into your presence. You have provided everything. There's no lack. There's no need. There's no shortfall. There's no rationing. And you have placed before us a wardrobe to choose what we wear this day, not just on a Sunday, not just when others are looking. Lord, we ask that you will give us wisdom this week to clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Maybe just think for a moment and reflect on those circumstances in your life where maybe you've You've been confronted with a situation and what you've pulled out of the wardrobe has been cynicism, suspicion, entitlement. What needs to change for you to clothe yourselves with Christ, his tender-hearted mercy. as you make a mental journal of that dilemma, that circumstance, that situation. What could change? Is there a circumstance or a situation that you face that wearing these new clothes requires a different response? 
Is that the character of Christ that you need to step into? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you partner with us. I thank you that you placed designer labels on us. Designed by you. Lord, help us this week, I pray, to wear the clothing of Christ. Help us to project your glory. Help us to be persuaded of our identity. And help us as we maybe live in unfamiliar ways and feel in wearing unfamiliar clothes. Transform our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. invite you to stand a moment and the band are going to lead us in this song and then I'm going to invite Jason to come up and lead our notices this morning.